true that song is this morning. My, my. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I'm glad that we can look at things from a different point of view. Paul made it clear to us in his writings. Man, if we had hope only in this life, we would be of all men most miserable. But thank God we have hope in the life hereafter through our Lord Jesus Christ, who conquered death, a man, a man overcome the world. And so he said, cheer up, because I've overcome it, you can overcome it. And man, so even this morning, sometimes when we feel like we're facing a mountain, we don't feel like we may have the strength, but we can find it through Christ. Because Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. God bless you. We'll let our Sunday school classes go back. But the Ford's classes stay out with us. Again, it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. This Sunday morning to worship and magnify the Lord and to give Him honor and glory in this house. And we're just thankful that you've come to join with us in worshiping the Lord and to learn and to draw closer unto Him. Amen. To work on that companionship. Well, I tell you what, that is a fellowship we don't want to ever grow weary on working on. But God's grace and God's mercy to help us continue in the pathway. Amen. That's straight and narrow pathway that's holy, that's upright, that's pleasing in His sight. We want to become the finished product, don't we? Amen. Paul writes about that in one of his letters to the followers and disciples of his. Amen. As he talks about that final joy, that complete joy is whenever the coming of the Lord. Amen. And be found at that moment in time prepared and ready to meet the Lord. Hallelujah. On the other side that that would crown the joy of all joys. To know that we have finished this race. That we have fought a good fight. Amen. We have kept the faith. We finished the journey. And to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. You know, in life it's just a vapor. Sometimes we think, well, this is never going to pass. But it's going to pass. Hallelujah. It's going to pass. Got a good lesson today. Uh, really kind of uh, taps into what we was preaching Wednesday night to at least a certain degree of uh, the faith the times that we're in, the struggles, the battles, the generation that we're facing, uh, the responsibilities upon us is from one generation to the next. Uh, there's no doubt that you and I need to hold on to traditions and doctrines. Uh, what's been handed down to us, amen, especially in truth, that's the most important thing. Not only is what we have received is to search it out through the scriptures and prayer. Uh, that it's what we have been instructed, what we have been taught is out of the word of God. That it is the word of God. And if it's not, then we're willing to make the adjustments. That we're willing to change. That we're willing to open our hearts, our ears unto the truth of God. One place the writers made mention said, let God be truth and all men liars. Man, when it comes to the doctrine and the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, man, when it comes and deals with eternity and it deals with our souls, there needs to be that passion in us, that hunger and thirst. The Bible promise, he that hungers thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I believe that's part of the journey, though. And I believe that we got the foundation, the launching pad. 
receiving of the Holy Ghost, the measure of the Spirit. That's the launching pad. But then it's a journey from there. And then we, from with the help of the Holy Ghost, and the Scriptures told us that the Holy Ghost not only would comfort us, amen, but to lead and guide us. So you've got to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to have that measure of the Spirit to help guide and lead you. In the world that we're living in, how true that is, and more so possibly, and, and at least into a sense. But uh, if you remember back in the Old Testament, the time of the call upon Samuel, it made it very clear that the Word of God was precious. Not only was the Word of God precious, what it's enlightening to us there. They didn't have a Bible on everybody's uh, coffee tables. They didn't have them on the nightstands. They weren't available. So they really had to depend on the man of God when they would come. You can go back to Ezra, Nehemiah, and some of the readings that would take place. And I believe it was Sister Tammy made mention to me just this past week how that they were gathering some Jews in, I think, New York, if I got it right, and uh, on certain days. And they would actually stand for 10 hours through the reading of the Word of God. And so, you know, we find it sometimes a little just uh, uncomfortable, amen, to come to the house of God with the uh, padded pews or chairs and the comfortable amen atmosphere the, the, the air and all but but thank god we've cured this morning praise god to hear the word of god and you pray for the speaker that he'll say what needs to be said praise god the bible said you know if we'll open our mouth he'll fill it praise god and i know we talk about the heart and the mind all of that but he said if you'd open your mouth so god help me i'm gonna open my mouth and i hope he feels it and he opens your ears and he feels them and he don't let the prince of the air between here and there, amen, to twist it and distort it, amen, that you're hearing something I'm not saying or believe something I'm not saying. Well, it works just that way, believe it or not. Hallelujah. There's been many a conversation you've been in and got accused of whenever the conversation brought back to you. That ain't what I meant. Well, that's what I thought you said, but that's not what I meant. Well, that's because the prince of the air called the devil's doing everything he can to distort it, corrupt it. Because he understands and realizes, because he saw it happen many a times, we're begotten by the Word of God. Not only we're begotten by the Word of God, we're kept by the Word of God. When the storms come, it's the Word of God that keeps us. Amen. When confusing times and things of that nature come, amen. I told the Lord this morning, I said, Lord, you're not the author of confusion, so I don't have no business being confused. <laughs> amen. We shouldn't be confused. That's the reason he's equipped the church with gifts. Amen. To operate. Amen. He's also gifted the church with a five-fold ministry. So the church, as far as I'm concerned, is the most powerful uh, intimate upon the face of the earth. It's the church. Hallelujah. We're equipped by God. So if we walk with God, we obey God. If we stay with it, regardless of the generation, the wickedness, the evil of the hour, the church still has the power to overcome the darkness, to overcome the wickedness of our generation. Amen. But we're going to have to do what Jude's taught us here this morning. We're going to have to contend for this faith. For the faith, not just some of the faith, but the faith. There is a faith that's been given to every generation. I believe also, we're going to see in this lesson, every generation's got to bear the responsibility to make sure that we got the faith. <laughs> Amen. Because it's going to make all the difference. Because if I lose some of it, then what's going to happen to the next generation? Very important. Very important. Not let things slip away from us. Things of that nature. Faithful to God. Faithful to God. Man, that, that says a lot by itself right there. You and I purpose in our hearts, minds, and spirit. God, I want to be faithful to you. <laughs> regardless of the times, regardless of the season, regardless of the situation, regardless of my age, young and old and all in between. 
Whenever I come to that uh, a place of accountability and I know right and wrong, God, by your help, I want to do what's right. I want to stand for what's right. Not all do I want to stand, amen, I want to stand where you want me to stand, and I want to stand in the countenance and attitude and spirit that you want me to stand. Because it's not about me anyway. It's about you. It's about your name. It's about your gospel. And you are the one that we're trying to introduce others unto. Because you're the savior of the world. You're the way maker. You're the very present help in the time of trouble. Praise God. Isn't it great to live for God? Great to have the revelation of his name, of his spirit, and of the truth. To experience it for yourself. People could talk about events and going places and seeing things and possibly even tasting certain foods and things of that nature, but you really don't know it until you try it yourself. Amen. Praise God. Man, believe it or not, this week we went and seen our sister-in-law again, just visit them for whew, actually way in hours and finally say, hey, we got to go. But anyway, uh, subject of Rudy Baker's come up. Believe it or not. <laughs> He's talking about different things and fixing on. She said, you know, Opal said, you know, she said, I've never eaten rutabakers. She said, Joseph said, when we got married, said he had one request. He said, don't you ever cook, bring into this house rutabakers. I said, whoa, my, my, my. <laughs> my wife looking at me going, <laughs> hallelujah. So, you know. You can't say I hadn't tasted it. I tasted them. I smelled them. Hmm. Smell like dirt. Taste like dirt. <laughs> Almost look like dirt. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway. So anyway. <laughs> y'all go ahead and need them. God bless y'all. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, faithful to God. I have tasted. And you know what? It's good. <laughs> Amen. He's gracious. He's lovable. I tell you what, it's worth living for. Amen. Focus thought as the world becomes more wicked. Well, the scriptures taught us that's what's going to happen. It's not nothing going to stop that. This week, we talked to people in the hardware store talking about our time. And I told them, well, I said, you know what? I take up for our, the young people at least to a certain amount. I said, some of this is the end time, the generation we're in. We can't blame all of them. I said, they're exposed to a lot of things they ought not be exposed to. But I said, because men are waxing worse and worse. Wickedness has got, became so, they're exposed to so much through technology, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, they can't just use that excuse and to live like a, uh, a whatever. They just got to still make up their minds that, you know what, I'm not going that way. I'm not getting caught up into that. And uh, so, but uh, some of the things that are going on is some of the things they were experiencing, some spirits they're warring against, some, and uh, that you and I didn't have to war against. Amen. But uh, you know what? This is a generation we're living in. So that's what he's talking about here is the world becomes more wicked. And we know it is. We must stand strong in our faith. We must stand strong. It's not a time, amen, to, you know what? I don't guess it's really a problem to question it. Just make sure you come out with the right answer every time. Keep the right answer. Because you can question truth, but truth, regardless of how you approach it and what direction you come, amen, attacking truth, truth is still going to prevail. Truth is still going to rise. Truth is going to see you through. 
You could take lawyers, they can ask you questions, and they can ask you about the same thing, but if you're telling the truth and you're telling the same story, regardless of what angles they came to you and what direction and how they changed the words up, that truth is still what's going to keep coming out. That's how they find out if it's truth or not. When they tried every angle they could, amen, to get you to tell a different story, but you keep telling the same story, that persuades a man to judge. That persuades the jury. That persuades the lawyers. You know what? This guy's telling the truth. No matter what angle I come at him, he's still telling the same story. So apparently this is how it was. Well, praise God. Truth. Thank God for truth. God is truth. Amen. You can't change truth. Truth is always going to be truth. And thank God for it. And, and so as we watch this, no matter how much pressure or how wicked it becomes, you and I just need to, amen, to have the faith that we're going to hold on to this truth. We're not going to question the truth once you've experienced it, once you have, have, have got a hold of it and it's got a hold of you. Amen. There's really no reason to go back and say, well, I don't believe that now. Well, there's a strong possibility you never believed it to start with. Okay? But if you really believe it, unless, unless you, you, you backslid Forsake God and reach the point that he turned you over to a reprobate and caused you to believe a lie and be damned. Then when you reach that point, place, which that's no place of return, there's no, that truth cannot save you from that point. God or Jesus Christ himself cannot redeem you, atone you, or reconcile you from that once you cross that line. There is a place of no return. But until then, until then, there's always a place of return. But you and I have got to be willing to do what? Turn. Make the adjustment. Sometimes it may not be very much. It just depends. And then at other times, it takes a U-turn. Hmm. Praise God. It just depends. Focus verse this morning is found in Jude 1 and 3, 25 verses of the writing of Jude. Jude, no doubt, by what we believe is written in this particular letter, is the high brother of, well, not the high brother James, but brothers, James's brother, which likens him unto the high brother Jesus Christ. And so this helps a man, and even though he never really acknowledges in the letter, he puts enough in there to help back and what he, he's bringing to us. And, and we're going to talk about some of this. Uh, time will allow us probably to, to address all of it, but yet he does give us some insight even of the character. Enix, it's, it's the main character of this lesson here today and, and what we can gain from even just from a few words that were spoken, not by himself so much. We really don't see a whole lot where even Enix spoke itself in the prophecy and Acts. We have to go to June, the New Testament, Jude, amen, to even cure that, amen. But the prophecy, but there's some few things in this lesson that's for sure. Number one, God's coming back. And I know even our own New Testament writers has instructed us and warned us that this will be mocked, be made light of, that the world has continued as they always have been. And so we will have to deal with that, the generation that's going to actually see the coming of the Lord. And uh, they'll have to deal with that spirit. They'll have to deal with those accusations. But it does not change the, the, the fact that he's coming. And the reason they want to be big on making mockery of that, they don't really believe there's going to be a judgment as the judgment the Word of God has warned us throughout, throughout the Scriptures that judgment is going to take place, that it's going to happen. Uh, judgment took place in the garden. Right off the bat. 
But uh, there will be a final judgment. There will be a final judgment, amen, that's going to happen. So these are some things that we're going to look at and why it's so important for you and I to be faithful to God. Yes, we want to be faithful to our country. We want to be faithful to our families. We want to be faithful to our jobs and faithful to our other areas. And, and being faithful to God, this shows up in all these other areas. But let me, let me say this, amen. Sometimes you have to be more faithful to God than to your country. Sometimes you got to be more faithful to God than your family. Sometimes you got to be more faithful, amen, to your uh, local assembly and then, then to your community because sometimes people will want you to compromise, amen, to keep unity in the family I had a guy tell me that one time said well I just joined because my wife was this and so you know just keep peace in the family we decided well, we're going to go to church but that place doesn't teach and, and preach and practice truth and so therefore a man he was willing a man to keep so-called um, physical peace if you want to play and family peace but yet he was going to cost him a man hallelujah to be introduced to the true peace of God a man and the true prince of peace called Jesus Christ so there are divisions and lines a man that's going to be so this is where the area comes and the, the, the battle comes of being faithful, amen, unto the call, the election, and service of Jesus Christ at whatever cost, amen, to be faithful. And as we're facing the generation that we're in, where people and denominations are trying, amen, uh, with all that is within them to unite together. In fact, if you listen to some, if some of the even the broader ones, hallelujah, they want to try to make room and move over and make room for the Muslims and make room for this one and all the others. But I'm here to tell you the scriptures real plain. There's only one door, amen. There's only one plan of salvation. There's only one gospel, just like there was one ark and one tabernacle, one church, one body. I mean, come on, it just time after time after time makes all the sense in the world. But here it is. Here's what happens. Amen. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. And so it's a, if it's ever been a generation that needs to be, amen, uh, grounded and settled and their minds made up, their lives made up, their walk made up, amen, that I'm going to be faithful to God, regardless of what it's going to cost me, the friendships it may cost me, the family relationships it may cost me, I'm still going to be faithful to God and to the call of God and the service of God. And we're going to notice in this lesson is how we walk has as much of a testimony, if not more than a testimony, than what we say. Okay? So, light in the lesson. Blood when I give all diligence to write unto you unto the of uh, the common, the common salvation. I believe you done the scene and things beginning to erode. I think he began to uh, acknowledge and realize in his own generation in just a few short years. They believe that it was written somewhere in the late 60, uh, AD 60s. A man of uh, this particular writing, possibly one of the last letters uh, uh, that had been written. Amen. Unto the New Testament church that was drawn into this canopy. Amen. Of what we call the New Testament writings. And so he's addressing. He's done seen some elapse. He's done seen some eroding. And to understand something. Their biggest struggle and battle was against Judaism. Going back and keeping things of the old traditions as far as keeping the Sabbath and things of that nature. Following the law instead of following after the spirit. You know Paul's writings to Galatians. It falls the same way. You be with 
bewitched you. Let me ask you something. How do you come sanctified or justified? Was it by the spirit or by the flesh? And so he deals with a lot of that. And so the same way here is doing with the same thing, except maybe Jews uh, focus, amen, is more on the Jewish people themselves. Amen. That, that, that he's trying to write to, that he's trying to stir up, that he's trying to warn, amen, and encourage them, amen, that you must contend for the faith, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. I believe that challenge is for every single generation. I believe, amen, that you and I and the biggest challenge that we and I've got in our generation, amen, is persuade this, our world and our generation that acts the second chapter experience is just as available and just as real and just as important. Hallelujah. Today in our generation as it was in Peter's and Paul's and all the rest of them, if you want to have full salvation, complete salvation, amen, you've got to have the experience of God. you got to have what I preached a few Sunday nights ago, a personal encounter with God. Hallelujah. When you have a personal encounter with God, you won't forget it. Hallelujah. You'll know when God shows up. There's just something about the power and the presence of God. I know he's omnipresent. I know he feels all But when he manifests himself, when he reveals himself, when he declares, amen, when he takes over authority ship, when he moves in, I'm telling you there is a difference that takes place. And so the initial sign of that, amen, is through speaking in tongues as the spirit, not my spirit, not as my mind can, can, can maybe copy it. Or even the devil can put up a counterfeit because I do believe there is a difference. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people speaking in tongues out there that God's a million miles away from it. And they can say all they want to about all that. I'm not worried about that. Truth is going to prevail. Truth is going to rule. And I tell you, but the Holy Ghost, when it moves, it has a Jerusalem ring to it. It has a joy with it. It comes in a package deal. I'm telling you, hallelujah, like nothing else. And it brings peace and joy and glory. It changes your countenance. It changes the way you think. It changes the way who you are. Hallelujah. And that's the reason the devil's out to rob and steal and destroy you. Praise God. Praise God. So, got a good lesson. We're going to start. Uh, basically, we're going to talk about Enoch. We can talk about uh, the, uh, I'll let you go back and you can read the culture connections. It's pretty good. If you want to go back and read it, uh, uh, no doubt uh, there's, there's some things you can learn from that. And um, but About writing a guy that was, in, he's writing, but I won't go into all of that. But let's contemplate the topic. Let's, let's start at the beginning. Amen. Of a lesson here this morning of what's being addressed to us. He's talking about the president, Roosevelt, how that he lauded it, which means he gives highly preview of praise. Amen. In a speech that he made in California back in May the 7th of 1903. And the two main characters he's talking about here is faithfulness and perseverance. Hallelujah. And so the writer even likens that unto us as Christians that we must be faithful. We know the, the writers of Hebrew in the sixth chapter taught us it's impossible. Please, God, without faith. Amen. You got to have faith. You got to believe that he is and he's a, he's a border of them that what diligently seek him. Amen. And he doesn't, that scripture's not intended for just to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. But even after that, to seek him, to seek his direction, his will, his heartbeat, how to respond, how to handle situations. Amen. He is a counselor. Amen. And he'll counsel us, instruct us, and help us, and guide us if we'll allow him. And so, you know, when you talk about this, amen, and walking, that's what's going to be talking about. Walk, walk. That's a daily walk. Amen. How important it is. And so that's that's what that's what this portion, this speech that the writer's talking about is you watch what he says about this his comments amen that are being made in this particular uh, 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 speech that was made by Mr. Roosevelt back in 1903 
he talks about the pioneer's heritage and, and the grit, amen, and the, of the predators that was displayed. And he's, he's pulling for the previous predators, amen, that they, that we would follow suit. And so likewise, you and I, that's what Jude's telling us, contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. We need to contend for the gifts of the Spirit. We need to contend for the absolute truth. We need to contend for the Holy Ghost outpouring. We need to contend for everything that the New Testament and what you read in the New Testament, and especially in the book of Acts. Amen. You and I need to contend for it. That means we need to fight for it. We need to reach for it. We need to, amen, have the hunger and thirst for it. We need to be willing to pay the price for it, be responsible for it, amen, so we can hand it down to the next generation. It's very important. I still haven't preached the message, but sometime I'd like to preach the message maybe, amen, the baton I hand to the next generation. What kind of condition is it going to be? You know, how much is it really going to look like the Word of God and the New Testament church? How much is it going to have all the resemblance and the likeness, amen, hallelujah, of, of, the, of the way it was handed to me. In fact, my desire and passion would be it would be in better shape than it was. I've, I've heard this many a times whenever pastors throw your ships pass on one from the next, amen, the, 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 the idea of successful pastoral ship, amen, is for that church, amen, to be in better condition than what you found, but then, amen, that hands it to the next one that had the, the same process, the same principle just keeps increasing. Hallelujah. It's not a one-man show. It is, but his name is Jesus. And he's already conquered death, so he's not dying. When the pastor, the previous pastor dies off or moves off, hallelujah, doesn't stop the power and the authority of who the church is and what the church is and who the church representing. The power is in the one called Jesus Christ, not just in the pastor. He's just a part of the team and part of the five-fold ministry, walking by faith, doing the work of God by the grace of God, that God Almighty might receive the glory because God shares his glory with no flesh. Woo, man, I tell you what, the Holy Ghost wants to talk to us. The Holy Ghost wants to stir us up. Hallelujah. We're not dead. We're not serving a dead God. We're serving the only living God there it is. He's the only one who can face death. He's the only one who can face problems. He's the only one who can solve problems. I'm telling you, there's nobody like him. None beside him. So we want to be faithful to God. It's got to be more than just lip service. It's got to be more than just a want to. It's got to be more, I, I don't know how many times I've said this, not lately, but it's got to be more than head knowledge. Well, let, me, let me say this. It may go over good, it may not. One of the biggest dangerous things of you raising your children in Pentecost, and in truth, it becomes a head knowledge to them, but never experience the heart experience of it. They know what to do, but to experience it. There is a difference. I don't say that with no cop of judgment, action around nobody. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. <laughs> it's the heart. Amen. It's because it's out of the seat of the heart were passions, affections. Hallelujah. The writer says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. You have a love for the world or the things of the world. And I believe when he says the things of the world, that necessarily it's got to be sinful stuff. It's the world and the way of the world and the things of the world and what the world has a passion for. Jesus made that plain unto us what the Gentiles look for, hunger for, positions and places. If you read last week's lesson, I believe it was, amen, he, he warned us. Amen. When you're invited to a wedding, don't go sit in the high seats. Go, go, go sit in that low seat. That's the best thing for you to do. Don't walk in the house of God or in the presence of somebody like you think you're somebody. Paul, well, let me help you out. Paul said, there's no good thing in my flesh. Ain't nothing good in this boy. 
This boy a failure. But the God in this boy won't. The God they may call Jesus Christ won't. I may fall short, but if you put your faithfulness to God and not to a man. Even the pastor. Because I'm telling you, they're dropping like flies now. They're, they're going mess you up. God of this book won't. You fall in love and become faithful to him. It's, I'm going to be faithful to him. Now watch this. That's the reason you can be faithful, amen, even to the five-fold ministry when you don't even find total agreement with the five-fold ministry. Because I'm doing it as unto the Lord, not as unto man. That's where, amen, you can win the battle of rebellion. Amen. When a pastor stands in the pulpit and he preaches a word under the anointing, amen, you won't rebel against it because you realize, hey, this is a God thing, not a man thing. Hallelujah. And so that helps you to be faithful, God, amen, where the lines are drawn. Because, amen, to be faithful and to stand in end time, that means it's cause for separation. That means that we can't get caught up and drawn into everything under the sun. How much easier it might have been if all we still had to deal with, amen, is the way they used to worship. Amen. It's just keeping the law and keeping, amen, the Sabbaths and things of that nature. But, oh, it's changed so much now. Hallelujah. In the world that we're living in now and the times that we're living in and how true that is in the United States of America because we have made flesh. We've made our own lives, these own vessels, our own gods. And to enjoy as much as we can, I've heard them make the statement, you're going to live once. I beg the difference with you. Yeah, you're going to live one, but you're going to live out forever. And it's just going to be a moment as a twinkle of an eye in this world. Hallelujah, compared to eternity. I don't care if you live to be 150 or as the Bible talks about in Genesis 5th chapter that we begin to hear about Enoch and you begin to read about how long they lived. Hallelujah, when they lived 900, 969 years. And if you watch that little process, it began to decrease. Hallelujah. From the first one, as it worked its way down, they became less and less every time. Hallelujah. Till it come to the man called Enoch. And watch this. Hallelujah. We put so much focus upon this earth and living a long time on the earth and living a healthy life on the earth. But watch this. In that same chapter, we find the man that is written about that he walked with God. He lived less than anybody else in the chapter. He lived less than anybody else. Amen. That's mentioned in the chapter. Most of the others lived, amen, six, seven, eight, nine hundred years but not Enoch. He only lived some 300 something years but he walked with God and God just took him. He didn't even experience death. Hey I'm telling you walking with God and doing right. Amen. And dying and leaving here at 21 years age. It's better to live on this earth 121 years being a multi millionaire enjoying everything under the sun that you can enjoy and then lose out with God. <laughs> Woo! Tell you what, what, what the world is faithful to. Pleasure in good times. That's what we're faithful to. Our country is what it's faithful to. Less work, come on, man. If I can work two days a week and party five, that's what I want. Hmm? Used to be, you know, they had specials on, for, on Friday nights and Saturday nights. Now, got specials every night of the week. And watch this. They love to focus on Wednesday nights, if you ever noticed that. Because at one time, this country... Pretty much all across it on Wednesday night was midweek service of some form in some fashion. So the enemy said, hey, we got to stop that. How are you going to stop them? I want to entertain them with something they're going to like. Well, what did Balaam do? Hmm. Your writer Jude told us. If you notice, he used these three characters. It was full of rebellion. But even Balaam, whenever he couldn't, he couldn't curse them with his mouth because God wouldn't let him. He said, but I can give you some advice how you, how you can cause them to become cursed. 
You just put those ladies in front of them. And they cook the right meals and get it downwind and let that aroma go. <laughs> I'll have them worshiping you and worshiping your gods. I'll have them coming your way. Because of the love of money is the root of all evils. It's even polluted the churches. Weren't expecting all this, was we? No, we wasn't. <laughs> Hallelujah, but here we are. But you know what? We've got to be faithful in this end time. It's, 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 it's better to be faithful to God. I don't care if it costs you a dollar or a hundred dollars. Okay? All right, contemplating the pocket. Let's get back to it because here's talking about Roosevelt and his, his uh, speech, man, and it's good. He says, remember that the chance to do the great heroic works may or may not come. He said, if it does not come, then all that there can be to our credit is the faithful performance of everyday duty. Just doing what we're supposed to be doing. Following the patterns and the examples that were set before us. Your difficult times and situations. Just keep, keep pushing on. Keep pushing on. If the time for the showing of heroism does come, he added, you may guarantee that those who show it are most likely to be the people who have done their duty in average times as the uh, as occasions for doing the duty arose. In other words, they were just faithful with what they was doing. And then when it came, it wasn't like they was looking for it. But like they was setting out, you know. But as it came, they found because of the, the duty of everyday consistency. That when that hour come, they stepped up to the plate. So let's, let's watch this. Go in to begin to talk about searching the scriptures. Our world emphasizes what on flashy, flashy stuff. Some of you probably can remember when some of it really began to come in through the country music and things of this nature. The, the rock, the king of rock. I know it's some of it. Maybe some of y'all was here, maybe not. Elvis, man, he took it out of the churches and gave it to the world. Bottom line. He learned to sing and learned to do what he'd done. A man, he was even, even introduced to this one God message. He tasted, he knew, a man, what it's about. He had to take it out there. And anyway, we know, but he helped start, amen, the dressing, the high collars, and the flashing, the diamonds, and all this other stuff, and starts this trend. And, and so the devil bringing the prince of the air and using the, the means and methods of Hollywood began to infiltrate its way into the Americans' homes and lives <laughs> and make such an impact. And, and you know what? It still amazes me. I'm, I'm going to go on. It, it, it also celebrates talents. Talents. Uh, you can see that, a man, from, from speaking abilities, from ball playing, whatever it might be. A man, we, we celebrate that. We exalt that. And, and probably at some point, some, no doubt, you know, we give God the credit for that. But the only problem with a lot of that, for the most part, and the writer talks about it, he says they have little and no character. They'll live whatever kind of lives a man under the sun they, they just seem fit to do, and we'll just overlook them. 
We'll let them drive down the freeway <laughs> with, with, with cop cars lined up behind them. If that came one of us in that automobile, they'd have shot it full of holes. And hardly nobody knew anything about it. Because they had made that individual. And the pressure's on because of people in certain positions and places that now, hey, wait, we've got to handle this. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to handle it right. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's the thing. If we're not careful, we've lost that. But you know what? I need it because you watch this. That character's judged by God all through the Bible. Israel got in trouble time over time in how they treated strangers, widows, and orphanage. Better be careful when you walk by that one or some events going on even here at this place because it ain't one that you, you kind of give it the snub. I want to be faithful to God. Be faithful to God is, amen, I'm going to try to show the same love and respect for that nobody as well as that who I think is somebody. Now, that's the true love of God. That's the reason he robed himself in flesh. He gave the opportunity that whosoever will, let him come. Okay? Because God loved the world. That's the reason opportunity is given to whoever they haven't crossed that line that I mentioned earlier today. It doesn't matter what kind of crimes, what kind of sinful acts and lives they've lived. If they're willing to repent and have a godly sorrow, God's willing to forgive them and bring them to the same heaven as anybody else. Praise God. So, being faithful, amen, amen to, to God and to his call. Enoch was faithful, no doubt, to God. Now, we know that a lot's not written about there, and I've already men mentioned Genesis, the fifth chapter. But uh, and, and some of the key things that's said about him, I won't go through all of that again. But uh, the, the lesson text actually is from 18 through 24. It's about seven verses there that we begin to really hear about. Jared, a man, was his dad that begot Enoch. And, and uh, what's really begin to unfold and take place here. And, but the key verses is 22, 3, and 4. Uh, and the Bible says, And Enoch walked with God. After he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And he was not. God took him. This is mentioned a few other times in the scriptures. I carry you to a time of Amos, the prophet there, unto the... Israelites, the children of Israel in Amos 3, 1 through 3. And as he's talking to them and trying to get them to understand as a children, as a whole family of God, to, a man that he had brought out of Egypt, he said, only I know of all the families of the earth. He said, therefore, I punish you for your iniquities. What he's telling Israel here, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I haven't dealt with no other family on the earth like I have dealt with you, how I've called you, chose you, pulled you out. Now watch him in the third verse. Can two walk together except they be Agreed. And that's a real key. You've got to join in agreement with God. That's the reason it's so important that you and I die. Amen. There's an initial death, amen, of true repentance and godly sorrow. But then the daily death, amen, that Paul talks about. I die daily. And what he's talking about, my own passions, my own desires, because I'm in an earthen vessel. 
And all of that just don't go away. I'm sorry to tell you, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, people has the idea that in this life that you have eternal salvation, that you can't lose it, but that's not true. That's a false doctrine. Amen. The eternal life, amen, of salvation is when we receive the fullness of that salvation, which you and I have not as of yet. We only have a measure of the Spirit, and this body has not been glorified. And so it's subject. It's prone. It has intent, amen, to come up short and to fail and to fall into sin and unrighteousness and, and you know that's not so bad amen if you read John first John he says we have an advocate with the father if we're willing amen to confess and repent and confess to God have a God the sorrow God said I wash you I'll cleanse you I'll purge you we're not trying to teach or preach a doctrine amen that we're so perfect that we never sin that's not what we're saying but neither are we servants of sin neither does it rule and reign in our lives on a regular basis but here's what tops that off hallelujah that it doesn't rule and reign our lies and we walk in them lies and expect God to take us anyway. Can I just be a little plain? That's like having a husband or wife wants to go on the highways and the byways and do and be with whoever and however. But come home and expect you to have supper ready, wash your clothes, pay all the bills. That's like a wife expecting you to go out and make all the money and do all that, pay everything, but they get to do what they want to, go where they want to. No different. Read your Bible. God called Israel, called Judah, whoremongers, adulterers. Same thing. Same thing. Okay? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. i got to be faithful to God. Well... <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, hallelujah. Anyway, I'm going to go back to this particular chapter and verse, or not maybe, but anyway. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. Uh, there, Paul's writing to the Thessalonian believers, amen, and he loved them. He, and they, they proved and they worked and they worked with Paul. But listen to this part on the 4 and 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you or urge you, brethren, and exalt you or encourage you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk to please God. How you ought to walk to please God. Man, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's the core of this thing. That's the strength of this thing. That's where the energy of living for God comes from. It's a God thing, not a man thing. Hallelujah. I don't want you to dress the way you dress, and I want you to dress godly, but I don't want you to do it because I tell you to do it. You're wasting your time. I tell people all the time, especially when they start coming this way and they start dealing with things because the devil, the first thing he's going to do, well, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you guys, I said, you don't have to do none of that until you receive the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost convicts you, that's when you got to start doing it. Amen. But until the Holy Ghost convicts you, amen, you don't have to do that. Amen. In fact, you try to do all that before you get the Holy Ghost, trying to get the Holy Ghost, the chance is going to be far less you get the Holy Ghost. Well, the best thing you can do is just die out and don't worry about all that and then let the Holy Ghost come and let it do the leading and guiding amen because when you let it do it amen when you take it off for God and you take it off for the Holy Ghost you won't have near the struggle with it but if you take it off because you want to please a man or if you want to please a family member or because you want to impress somebody or you just want to join up with the crowd hey I'm going to tell you something this is not a crowd gathering hallelujah we're not a clique we're not a cult hey we can accuse us of that if they want to that don't make me no difference at all hallelujah but we're not a cult I mean a cult and we're not, no, not into some clique or some no hallelujah and I'll tell you what we're doing the thing we're doing for God because he's the one that's going to reward us with eternal life he's the one amen that we're doing this for he's the one that holds eternal life he's the one that's got it all and if we don't do it as to him and be faithful to him then guess what we're going to lose 
Why would anybody want to dress this way and live this way and, and, and discipline themselves away from the world just for a man and wind up lost? I mean, if you're going to be lost, enjoy all the world you can. Boy, I'm not much to say that, but it's the truth. That's a dangerous thing in doing that now. I'm going to say this. When you start getting out there in that world, it gets deeper. It gets a stranglehold on you. Those roots get deeper. If you're not careful, especially when you know better. It'll dictate and control you. You won't control it. And it will rob you. Because that's what he is. He's a thief. He's a robber. He's a murderer. And the devil's not worried about your physical body. No more than God is in one sense. But it's that soul that's going to live. Well, have you got a scripture that God ain't worried about that? Well, he said, don't fear the man that can destroy the body. but Just fear him that can destroy both the body and the soul. So the devil's after your soul. He's after your pearl. He's after your eternity. He's after you've taken his place. Because he lost out. So, so the way we ought to walk. Genesis 7 1 talks about the father of faith, which is Abram here at 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared unto Abram, said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me. Hear my voice. Amen. That's all he had to go on was a voice. He didn't have no contract. <laughs> and had no side papers. He went in there to Sarai. He said, hey, we fixing a move. We're picking up camp. We had now where we going. I don't know. God said he's going to promise me a city. He's going to build for me. <laughs> Amen. Promised land. And you know what? She must have enough confidence in him. New Testament talks about that. Talks about women folks having a meek and quiet spirit. That has about went down the drain. Boy, I sucked the pie in there, didn't I? <laughs> Woo! Hey, I'm telling you, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Though. I'm going this church already. Women folks can get the wrong spirit and bust this thing wide open when a man couldn't have gotten come no close to it. I got some scripture back that up in the New Testament. When some of them, amen, Pharisees and Sadducees couldn't get the uproar against Paul and them, you know what they done? They stirred up the women folks. And when they got the women folks stirred up, they run them out of cities when they couldn't run them out. There was a place for all of us. Authorityship and rulership. And God set it up, not me. And I know we make the statement, he's the head, but I'm the neck. Where you cut the head off at? <laughs> Woo! Where you cut the head off at? It's a sword. Oh, I don't know how I got on this. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the devil's doing everything he can to twist and turn. I believe there's a certain place, man. Oh, God. I'm going to leave that long. Oh. <laughs> well, I got something stirred up here. Praise God. Anyway, here we go. Uh, it goes on. It talks about, you can see some of the writings, amen, uh, of Moses himself. Some warnings that have been given, amen. Deuteronomy, where he's writing there, and he begins to talk about it. He said, and it shall be if thou do all at all 
Forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. If you do what? If you walk after other gods. <laughs> you hear people say all the time, it don't matter where you go to church. I beg the difference with you. Does matter. If the blind, if it's the blind is the leadership there, the Bible makes it clear. Amen. If the blind leading the blind, just not the leader's going to fall in the ditch. But everybody that's following him is going to fall in the same ditch. No, no excuse. So it makes a difference. It makes a difference, amen, of, 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 of the spiritual. And remember something. Now, this is a spiritual thing. We're being faithful to God. God is a spirit. Man, it, it's not show. It's not flashy. It's, it's understanding, amen, the hour that we're living in, the day that we're living in, the generation that we're in, and the, 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 the snares and traps of Peter, Paul, and Jesus. And I believe it's a little later in this lesson even talks about it, how that we're warned against in Jude's writings. I mean, because this is the reason he wrote these 25 verses unto the saints, amen, of his time. Amen. But what about doctrines, about false doctrines and false teachers, amen, that was slipping in unnoticed, unaware of. They made their way in. Don't kid yourself. Hallelujah. People, amen, in spirits. It's all about spirits want to make their way into the church. Hallelujah. But they're not satisfied just to sit on a pew. They want to find some leaderships and they want to tear it down. Why do you think even across America today there's denominations that are struggling and battling and spitting over amen whether or not to accept homosexuals or not? I don't see what the big deal is. Word of God says, hey, that lifestyle will send you to hell. Just like whoremonging, fornicating, lying, cheating, defrauding your brother. I mean, if we can accept that, then what's going to send you to hell? They probably turning that knob off right now. <laughs> no, hang in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the truth. It's the truth. We've got there. We have broadened the way to heaven and narrowed the way to hell. That's where we're at. But we're going to be faithful to God. To be faithful to God, you've got to believe, be faithful to his word. That's the reason you and I should have a hunger and a thirst. You know what? I'm going to read it for myself. <laughs> I'm going to read it for myself. I mean, I mean, there's so much in this book, it's never preached. It's never addressed. Characters and lives and individuals. Time just don't, we just don't have enough time. So much in here. I got to move on here. Again, in Deuteronomy, the 13th chapter, 1 through 4, he says, and this is what I'm talking about. This is, this is where I'm at. He said, if there arise among you prophets and dreamers of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. Now, if they give you a sign and something wonder, that means something, you know, that's, it's, you know, that's of the spirits and it's kind of mystery-like and it's, you know, it could, you know, and some would say, well, I can't believe God lets them. God will. God will let you. God will let things come, in our, come our way to try us, to prove us. He did Israel. Watch what he says here. And the sign of the wonder comes to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, let us go after other gods. You see, there's enough in the book that regardless that they call fire out of heaven, 
And they want to start worshiping other gods. Amen. I don't care how much fire you call out of heaven. I'm not worshiping any other gods. I only know of one. If there's one thing that Israel was anchored in, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you. You're going to see what you're going to do. I remember hearing a story one time. I assume it's true. Another preacher heard him tell it. And uh, he's talking about this preacher getting to pray and said, you know, he wanted to see Satan. He wanted, he wanted to face to face, man. He wanted to, to be, you know. Sure enough, one day somewhere and a sports car pulled up and the door opened up and said, this beautiful blonde opened up the door and said, get in, I'm Satan. <laughs> well, hallelujah, praise God. It's not what everybody thinks sometimes, is it? Amen. But you know what? We got to be faithful. Got to be faithful. He might have, hopefully he looked down at it and said, hmm, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Boy, I feel some stuff here now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ooh, I'm having fun right now. Praise God. Fourth verse, here it goes. He says, he said, I walk after the Lord your God. I'm going to walk after God. I'm going to walk after His ways. Fear Him and keep His commandments. Jesus Christ came along and said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Hey, I'm telling you, we're living in a generation today. And they're gathering all across the world. And especially in the United States, living in whatever lifestyles. And they're going to condemn me and judge me for saying this. But I'm here to tell you, amen, if the Word of God is written against it and spoke against it, and if the apostles are preached against it, and Jesus Christ is the key to chief cornerstone's pro against it. I'm here to tell you, we have an obligation and responsibility, amen, to make a stand against it to it. If we got to stand all by ourselves on a street corner and don't even have an affiliation with any denominational church. This separates us from everybody. Everything. I appreciate all of them. I'm not here to criticize them. I thank God for what they're doing and accomplishing. But we can't afford to become polluted. We can't afford to become uh, uh, contaminated because of so-and-so or because of this one. I had an individual tell me just not long ago. He's at a certain meeting. He was at the main meeting, the third denomination. And the gentleman come up, said at this particular setting, they got a microphone out in the front and said, you can come up and address any issues. So this gentleman come up and addressed the issue. His daughter was a homosexual, lesbian. He said, I'm tired of y'all saying things about her. Don't say anything about it. He was putting the pressure on them. He, the main guy's over that, over that denomination, trying to force them, amen, to, that's my daughter. You ain't got no business. This gives me the right. I don't care whose daughter it is, and that includes mine. I'm going to mistreat them? No. In fact, by the help of God, <laughs> I'm going to love them and might try my best to persuade them there's a better life and there's a better way. I'm not going to run them down. I'm not going to ridicule them. When I, when I, when if they come to that hardware store, up, I'm going to treat them like any other customer. Make it a point. Sure am. Because I know that's the only chance they may have. 
because they're blinded. The, Paul, the call that was given to Paul, amen, is to get them out of darkness. Call them Gentiles out of darkness. And that's what he done. After they beat him, stoned him, and done everything else, he just kept, kept walking with God. And guess what? God kept walking with him. That's what it takes. So, go on here, and it begins to talk about uh, the how he prophesied. How it's talking about uh, Amos himself, uh, I mean uh, Enoch himself, uh, where he prophesied. And, and uh, when you pick up, it's in Jude 14, the 15th chapter. And... Uh, Uh, Lord have mercy. We're going to see here in these particular verses here that he begins to help us to get insight and revelation. And, and to, for that to really be affected, let, let me just do this. I'm just going to go to Jude and let, let's talk about a little bit about it. As he begins to write it to them, and he realized, you know, he noticed he called it the common salvation. You remember something. The plan of salvation is the same for everybody. Doesn't matter where they come from, who they are. The common salvation. This is the salvation, amen, that they knew about. This is the salvation you read about in the book of Acts. That, that foundation. It's very important. It's very important that the foundation is laid and laid right. Okay? The foundation will determine life or death. The foundation will determine whether or not we're going to be saved or not. It's just that important. Even our apostle, apostle warned us that, you know, take heed how you build thereupon. And he, he gave us six different type of material that we can build on that foundation. Some of those materials will just burn up and won't, won't have no everlasting effect. Others will survive the fire and there will be rewards and things for that. But he says, nevertheless, because on the right foundation, your soul can be saved. The biggest problem we got in religion today is a lot of people's Doing awesome works. They're building some awesome walls and buildings. And, and I'm talking about in their own lives and the walk they got. But they never got the right foundation. Never got the blinders off. You know what? It's the Word of God. Nobody's big enough. Nobody. To change it. It's forever settled in heaven. And no man can change it. The Word of God was given to us to change us. And if I can alter and change the Word of God. So, so what I'm trying to tell you. God, you can't alter or change God. Neither can you alter and change His Word. So that's the reason Jude at this point in time already. And how quick, just, just a few years of the existing of the church. But if you've been paying attention, especially in the last few months, and some of the statements and things even out of the Old Testament, how quick man can fall from God. How quick. 
You'd be surprised how quick you can backslide. I know we make that statement. It's been, no. Read the book of Judges. How quick. When that spiritual leader that God would raise up and he would die. It wouldn't be no time. You know, I pondered this in the last few weeks. How that some people, you know, when they backslide, they'll try to make the confess that, you know, it didn't have nothing to do with the world. It didn't have... But why are you going where you're going? Why are you giving yourself what you're giving yourself to then? If it wasn't the world. If it wasn't for the pleasures of it. Why are you going? Why are you doing what you're doing? Don't kid yourself. So, here's Jude. He's trying to head some of this off. Fourth verse, we're going to just pick up there, if you don't mind. So, there are certain men that crept in unawares who were before old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, using the grace of God. I've had people tell me that. Rant, rave, cuss, carried on. You wouldn't believe it. And now the next breath said, hey, I'm, I'm making it. His grace. It's abusing the grace. If you get a clearer understanding, Paul wrote that to us. By his grace, we live a godly life in this unpresent, ungodly world. That's the true grace of God. It's given us what we need to live an overcoming life. He's going to deal with that. Watch what he deals with here. Watch what he says. Denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus. Catch that. Denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though we once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate. What is he laying down here? What is he letting them know? Even angels that didn't keep their first estate. So that tells us that angels could even sin and fall from the graces of God. Reserved an everlasting change into darkness of the judgment of the great day. Even Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities about, about them in like manner, giving themselves over to what? Fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example of, Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That's the book. That should solve some of these debates and arguments. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. What's he talking about? Spiritual leaders here. There's a, they, these people nowadays run a preacher down in a heartbeat. Don't even think nothing about it. Not realizing that, that the spirit that they're in, the influence they're under. Huh. The Bible warns us, don't muzzle the ox that plows out the corn. You don't muzzle him. Because of the chance of me making it, I better have a, I better have a preacher, a man in my life that'll preach the word of God. That love me and love me enough to preach truth. He doesn't start stop with that. Watch him. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, 
disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against them a railing accusation, but he says what? The Lord rebuke you. Even the angels recognize it's not by my power, might God. I'm calling on one that's greater than both of us, devil. The Lord. Let's understand that. Let's get an understanding of that right there. It's not by our power and might, but it's by His. I am what I am by His grace that I'm allowing to work His mercy. I lift myself up like I'm, no, God forbid. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. Blows my mind how that people don't go to church anywhere. Never dart at the doors of a church. But they can tell you how to be saved. They can tell you that, you know, everything's never picked up the Bible before. Couldn't even find John 3.16. I'm not being critical here. I'm just simply telling you that's like, you know, you coming to Bendale Hardware with a brain tumor and want me to get a, something up there and cut it out. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense, don't it? Don't make none at all, does it? That's the same way with that. It's funny to me that how that everybody else, you know, I don't need a church and I, I, don't, I don't need a preacher. I don't need, but... But how are you going to contend then? How are you going to? There's a lot to this. He, he, he goes on. He begins to bring out some characters. And they're going to represent a spirit of rebellion. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the arrows of Balaam. For, re for reward and, and perished in the gainsaving of Korah. Those are the ones that rose up against Moses. You see what he's saying? It's the same spirit. It's the same. And that's the reason he has took the time to write this, address this, and to deal with it. I believe you'd have to agree with me that in our generation rebellion has become more and more. It's just unreal how rebellion. And sometimes, watch this, some people can be so rebellious and don't even realize that they're being rebellious. That the very ones that's trying to help them and talk to them, they'll rise up against and get mad and hold hard feelings. But, but they're the very ones that's trying to keep them from getting ensnared and getting caught up in things. There's some things you're better off to not know anything about. I still find it kind of funny times we talk about, you know, adult drinks. Like that qualifies it, makes it okay. Well, if you wouldn't give it to your kid, why in the world you want to drink it? <laughs> Don't let your kids watch this. It ain't good for them. Well, you ain't got no business watching it. Baby, don't you be like that. Well, don't you be. You know. You knew I was going to get there, didn't you? How we walk is the example. 
how we respond is the real example. He goes on, he talks about the waves, he talks about clouds, he talks about things that, that, that they're coming in, they're, they're forceful, but yet there's no rain in them. Talks about mumblers and complainers. We're, we're living in one of the most unsatisfied generations. Hey, some of you'd be bored to death if you was raised down Moore Road about 30 years ago, 40 years ago. But you don't know how many wars I won down that road. I've been to the moon down that road. I've won the World Series down that road. I shot the last final shot. I've seen it on an old spare tire with an old rope, man. you know what you know what the devil's done he's put some gadgets in our hands now we do some of the same things but it's a lot more real now there's some spirits behind it because he's after one thing and that's callousing the conscience you know why the conviction I believe conviction still moves but it's the conscience that's become so calloused it's almost unmovable now. Because it's been entertained now for so long of watching events over and over and over. There's some that knows it's coming, but it's got such a grip on them now, they can't turn loose of it. They can't let go of it. It's got them. I've watched them. I've seen some pictures of some that was taking it off. They want to tell us we didn't have no business preaching against it. But our own Attorney General right here in Mississippi had lawsuits and got billions of dollars to try to compensate for the money that was spent trying to get health back into them. It's not as crazy as you think. It's not as far off after as people think. But see, there's a spirit behind that stuff. And it builds slowly but surely. It just keeps working. It just keeps working. And that's the reason Jude now. And he goes all the way back to this Old Testament to remind his hearers there's coming a judgment day. There's coming an eternal judgment Watch this. The Hebrew writer picks it up. In Hebrews, I believe it's the sixth chapter. First four or five verses. About six or seven principles. Elementary things that's laid down to the Holy Ghost. Called out Christian. For him to move on from. Baptism. 
laying on of hands of faith gets, what's this? Eternal judgment is coming. Nobody's going to exempt from it. Nobody's going to get around it. Everybody that's breathing, everybody that's living, everybody that became a living soul, a man is going to be held accountable. It's so dangerous, and you're not going to like this one either. But even one place of Scripture talks about parents becoming holy. It makes mention that now even the children become holy. And there's still always a little area there that really bothers me about that. Amen. Does my, the, the, the outcome of my children depend on me where I'm at until I come to accountability? You got to question it. Oh, I know, I know, and I understand what Brother Banks are, and I'm with him. I don't believe he'll send little children, but you know what? You wouldn't have believed that God would have told Moses and his people to pick up stones and Cain and stone Cain. Achan, amen. And stoned not just Achan, but he stoned his wife. He stoned his kids. He stoned his animals. Judgment, amen. When God's judgment comes, it's just as fierce and just as wrath as his love is. That's what Jude's trying to get across to us. That's what Jude's trying to get us to understand here. Huh. Judgment. Judgment. This God that... That's the reason it talks about the sure mercies of David. <laughs> David should have died. David should have been stoned even though he was a king. But God showed him mercy. With all honesty, all of us should have died. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus paid a price. Jesus' blood. It's the only thing that can keep the judgment of God out of our lives. And after being washed in that blood, and activating that blood into our lives, as we begin to give ourselves and, and come to that point place that, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful to God. God, this is a God thing. It, it ain't a man thing. It's a God thing. I want to be faithful to you. I want to walk with you. It brings us right back why it's so important, that first encounter, personal encounter with God. It's so important, that personal encounter, to know him, to become that new creation, to be transformed. And because, because Enoch was willing to walk with God. Now understand something, it wasn't an easy thing. This is just, just prior to the time of Noah. The sixth chapter starts with Noah and the generation that he's in. So we're just a, a generation from that. And you can believe that the wickedness and the vileness that even Enos had to face and walk among, it wasn't an easy thing. And he's more pronged and more subject, amen, to, to live this way and go that direction. But yet, amen. And it didn't say anything about any of those others that living. Amen. It just talked about they died. But when it got to Enos here, he said, but he walked with God. And God took him. God translated him. We're looking for that, aren't we? That's what Paul's writings, amen, in Corinth church. and Paul's writings in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, and the winding up of that chapter. As he talks about all of that, and I read the first part of how we ought to walk, and he deals with a lot in the ending of that chapter. He talks about comforting one another. Amen, amen, of this promise. He talks about it to the Corinthians, about this, this corrupt putting on incorruption. Amen, this, this amen, this mortal man putting on immortality. That's where the true salvation's going to come. That 
that's where it's going to be. That's the moment, amen, that we can, we can be assured of that there won't be no more temptations, no more struggles, that we got it. But until then, we're going to be proved. Until then, we're going to be tempted. Until we, we're going to be tried. It doesn't change the facts. Eternal judgment's coming. And everybody's going to have to give an account for the deeds that's done in this body. That's the reason he warned us about having been revengeful, having revenge. Leave it in God's hands. He warned us in that same chapter how we're to treat our brothers, not to reproach. You know what he's telling us? He said, you better not use your position to place a man for niggle to get something if it's not right. He warned the kings. He warned the judges. That's the reason he warned them against drinking even. He said, because when you get under the influence of wine, your judgment won't be right. You're more prone to take payoffs. You're more prone, a man, to, to show a man partiality because of someone you might know. Because now you're under the different influence and a different power. That's the reason even the laws of our land has, has passed laws. Drinking and driving. And even to the point now under the different types of influence because of drugs. Because under those types of drugs, you can't reason. You can't make good sound decisions. You make choices. I mean, under that, that influence is whenever the devil can move in and his spirit with his voice and, and persuade you and convince you. You watch them. You watch them. Under the influence of drugs, they break into homes and they break into hearts and lives and destroy and tear down because of that voice. That voice has conditioned the mind, amen, to a place that it can more subject, more prone to hear it. And even to the point of being persuaded that that's God speaking to me. And give God to credit for something that's totally against the book. He's not a murderer. He's not a thief. He didn't believe in breaking the laws. In fact, he instructed us, amen, to obey them that have the rule over us. That's not just in the spiritual realm, but that's well as up on the lands itself. You and I don't have any business to crawl in our automobiles and driving 80 and 90 and 100 miles an hour on highways at 55 miles an hour. I, I'm just telling you now, if it's emergency or something, that's different. But even that needs to be handled with much care. Amen. Why? Because it's not just your life we're talking about. It's somebody else's. They don't put them lines down these roads, amen, just to be painting them, amen, to be pretty. No, them lines mean something. They're telling us something. Amen. That solid line says, hey, you don't have the right to pass here. You don't have enough time, enough space to do it. That's the same way with the Word of God is instructing us and guiding and speaking to us. That's the reason Jesus said, let me keep my commandments. That's what this is all about. That's what you was writing about. It's what he's trying to get us to understand. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Contend for it. Don't sell yourself out short. If you're in this house this morning, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Don't you compromise one bit until you get it. If you're in this house this morning, and, and, and the Holy Ghost, you've kind of you've backed off, and you've kind of, you know what? All you've got to do is make up in your mind this morning. As we stand in this house, I know my time's up. But you can make up in your mind this morning. No, I know what to do. And the Bible says this. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it's sin. 
And Jesus made it plain to us, no sin's going to enter in. Don't gamble. Don't gamble with your soul. Don't gamble with your spirit. Don't gamble with eternity. That's what Jude's trying to get across to us. Faithful unto God. Faithful. It's better to be faithful to God than anybody else or anything else. You may lose some things in life. Possibly some friends, loved ones, or whatever it might be. But you're better off to lose them than to lose your soul. That's the reason Paul said, be angry and sin not. Because of those moments and seasons. That's the reason you got to watch pitfalls of life. Things that you don't understand. That you can't get your mind wrapped around. You can't get your heart wrapped around it. It's those moments and times as we preach Wednesday night. And you stand in that dark place. If you can stand. Sometimes all you can do is sit there. But if you'll just wait. If you'll put a bridle on your tongue. A watchman at your door. If you do like David, God, create a right spirit in me right now. Help me, Lord. <laughs> That's what Jude was talking about. People walk in that darkness under the wrong types of spirit. They just mouth off. They just make statements. Living in generation is very prone to criticize one another and hardly make light of one another, make little of one another. Not realizing the damage, what's going on. They tell us, I don't know how true, but they tell us that any sound that's made, that it really doesn't ever go away, that it's out in the waves somewhere. Said one time scientists was trying to come up with a means and a method that they could pull sounds back. I wonder just what it'd be like if somehow this morning, we could pull back the talks and the sounds of the walk with Jesus, the disciples with Jesus Christ. I wonder what it would look like and sound like if we could pull back the church services and the preaching that took place in the book of Acts and made in comparisons. I just wonder. Because see, that's what Jude, he said, come on, let's contend for it. It means you've got to fight for it. It means you've got to, got to resist something to attain it. You've got to, you may have to overcome some opposition. You've got to be willing to climb the mountain. He wound this lesson up talking about Mr. Garfield that was a president, became the president of the United States of America. But if you read the lesson, you read that latter part, how he talked about how that he started out at a college. He didn't even have the money to pay his tuition. But he persuaded them at the college that he would be a janitor and work as a janitor to pay for it. And he done it. He didn't do it with shame. He didn't do it mumbling and complaining. But with joy, they said, man, he would be the one ringing the bell early in the morning. After already starting several hours before, working and doing what he was supposed to do. He, he would just be all bubbling, walking into the classes. And, and even at 26 years of age, he became a professor. Or the dean, maybe I think it was, of the college. And then from a janitor to becoming the president of the United States of America. Because he was just faithful and committed. Let me tell you something this morning. It's going to be worth every struggle, every battle. Could that be the reason that Paul pins the words? 
when you attain this glory. And you put on Christ in that fashion. We sung for His glory to fall in this house this morning. That moment of time, every battle, every struggle, it's going to be as though it was nothing in comparison of the reward that we attain on that day. Judgment's coming because Jesus made it plain to us. He said, it's like the shepherd that gathers in the sheep and the goats. Some on the right, some on the left. The Bible talks about and revelates the white throne judgment. Just how all that's going to work out. I don't know exactly. Church is going to be raptured. Church is going to be snatched out of here. We're going to be transformed. Just like Enoch. We're going to be transformed. We're not going to have time. To, I don't think he had time. Just all of a sudden one day God just took him. That's what the Bible says. He didn't ask nobody. He didn't ask none of his sons and daughters. He didn't ask any why. didn't ask nobody. Your testament come along told us, he said, death is appointed for all. After death, to judgment. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. We can get out there and put our head in the sands. We can act like it's not going to happen. We can act like this age is not going to happen or that age is not going to happen. Walk right back in that cemetery and you'll see different. From just a little, just a few hours to up in the 90s. In that graveyard right back there. But the real, the real thing to deal with, judgment. And you know what? He's made a way that we can, we can face that day. Through being faithful unto God. Let's pray. God, we love you this morning. You look down upon us here today from the heavens through our Lord Jesus Christ. You look down upon each soul, and each heart, each individual that's in this house today. You know where we're at. You know the condition of our spirit. You know the tempter that's pulling at the hearts, the minds, the souls. You know the pathway that we're walking. You know everything, God. But we know it's your goodwill and good pleasure to fill all of us with the Holy Ghost. It's your will, God, to save all of us. You get no pleasure out of the wicked dying. But you get pleasure. God, it's precious in your sight when the saints of God die. God, you help us here this morning. You help them to understand if there's one in this place right now. These altars are open. But they'd have the faith to step out. But God, if they don't, God, you'd work on them. You'd work on their heart. You'd work on their mind. You'd work on their spirit. You'd work on all of us. All of us. Every one of us. God, you'd work on every one of us. That we do what the writer says. Making our calling an election. Sure. You help us not to let our conscience become God calloused. With the generation that we're living in. The day that we're living in. But God you help us to be sensitive unto your spirit. Sensitive unto your word. Right down God to the, the crossing of a T and the dotting of an I. 
God anything, any blemish, any spot, any wrinkle that would keep us, God, from hearing you say, well done. You work on us, God. From this preacher right down to the last man, woman, boy, and girl in this assembly. And those that are hearing us, God, you help us today. You help us, God. You help us. You walk in our services. You walk in our hearts. You walk in our lives. You help us to welcome you. You help us to invite you. You help us to receive you. Receive your word and your spirit. Giving you the glory and the praise and the honor for all of it. In that precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Love you today and appreciate you. We really do. But there needs to be an old-fashioned seriousness. Grip the churches across America. Death is having its, having its way in our community. If that don't stir you, then please tell me what's going to stir you. What's going to move you? What's going to cause you to just examine yourself and check yourself and just make sure? It could be a dangerous thing just to wait until the new year. Foot washing, communion. But what if we've done it on a daily basis? It's a whole lot easier to deal with it. A whole lot easier to overcome it. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. God bless you.